This is Dyes and Shoe X, the podcast, episode 276 for the week of October 30th, 2011. Hey, hey, welcome to Dies and Shoe X, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Dies and Shoe X. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of the entertaining. What's up? My name is Mike and I go by Vegito EX from time to time on this here internet. We are back after a little bit of a wonky schedule, but you know, that's what weddings and weird October snowstorm will get you. We had a normal full episode planned with all the usual news, the topic, the releases, the emails, all that good stuff. But by the time we got around to editing what was already recorded, and by that I mean today, and by that I mean right now it is monday night i didn't want to delay the episode any further so what you are getting is what is kind of becoming our uh, last minute norms over the last month that is a topic only show no no not a news only show a topic only show you're only getting the substance only getting the good stuff this week our buddy jake mr herms from the website called the konzentai he proposed this all ghoulish type of episode in honor of halloween that's what it is right now so that's exactly what you are going to get something like an hour breakdown of all the fun stuff about demons hell and of course all the entomology that goes with this kind of stuff coming from japanese to english and back around again and actually to japan by way of china in some of these cases so here you go enjoy the topic and i'll hit you back with a look at november for the website and the podcast when it's all done we'll wrap things up for our special Halloween themed sort of kinda topic, joining me via the internet and his new Herms on my phone, Jake Herms. Constantai. Welcome, sir. Hello. You got a new microphone. I'm so excited. Yes, so am I. We mentioned it, I think, last time on the show. Big, big thanks go out to Joe for an amazing donation. We're taking care of Jake over here, finally rivaling the rest of us. Although it's your first time on the show with the microphone, so we're still kind of learning the ropes with it. But I think it sounds pretty good so far. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, I'll just trade it in for 250 bags of peanut butter M&Ms. That'll, uh help one of us help me uh jake this was your idea for a topic i love it especially because all the content was already done for me like i say you're my favorite co-host because i just show up and be pretty you're radio pretty that's right that's right what are we talking about man demons and monsters and things that go bump in the night Awesome. Well, in the case of Dragon Ball, they go bump during the day and kind of take over the world from time to time. Give or take. Man, there's a lot of stuff. I was actually telling Mary about this topic earlier. She's like, really? There's like, boo. But when you think about it, it starts much earlier on in the series. And there are these little sprinkles of mentions of demons and clans. And it keeps building up and building up. And there's kind of a lot to cover. Yeah, it's one of those things where it sort of flies under the radar, I guess you could say, because Boo is the main example, but then there's more minor characters like, say, Shura or Akman. Right, right. And there are these hints of, well, there's hell over here, and there's this demon realm over here, and sometimes they get some exposition, but not a whole lot. So we're kind of going to start at the beginning, but even before the beginning, we have to set the stage. And I think a good place you have here is just, what is... Ma. Ma. This is the basis for most of what we're going to be talking about, and it is the kanji for demon, or like an evil spirit. And where this actually comes from is the devil Mara in Buddhism, who is the demon who tempted Buddha as he sat under the Bodhi tree trying to attain enlightenment. And so when Buddhism spread into China and then into Japan, they actually invented a new kanji to help write Mara's name. Oh, really? I had no idea that's where it came from. Yeah. And so it's essentially, um, it's like a phonetic, it's more like a transliteration where it's, they just tried to reproduce the sound in kanji without necessarily paying attention to the meaning, I guess you could say, where it's... Because this is... It's very complicated, but it... They didn't really have katakana for foreign words at the time. And right, I was going to ask that. This kind of thing nowadays, it would just be written in kana as kind of a loan word, but approximated with their phonetic alphabet. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is coming in through China to Japan and stuff we can't really get into here. But basically, yeah, sure. where the kanji comes from, it they took the kanji for uh, oni, or an ogre, which itself originally referred to like the spirits of the dead, and then by extension 
evil things like that. And then they took this and they combined it with another kanji that just was read as ma. Oh, all so right. So they, they got the meaning with the one kanji and then how it was pronounced with the other. And they just stuck them together. And that's where ma comes from. That's really fascinating. That's how they came up with the, the symbol for it. Yeah. And so like I said, Mara is the demon who tempted Buddha. And so from that use, it got extended to mean anything that tried to prevent humans from obtaining enlightenment. Okay. An interesting aside there is that it, Mara became, in Japan, slang for penis, because that was one of, of the uh, chief temptations of young Buddhist monks, as you might imagine. And then you get into the Shin Megami Tensei series of games, where they have Mara as a giant penis-shaped demon. <laughs> Taking it to uh, the literal extreme there. I love it. Yeah. And it keeps kind of going on from so from things that prevent people from obtaining enlightenment to just anything that would attempt to deceive or confuse humans or do them harm. And then just anything in opposition to the gods. And so all those general meanings are just bad stuff, I guess you could say. And so and then in around the Meiji era, it kind of took on a new connotation because they coined the word maho as a word to translate the English word magic into Japanese. And so the ma is like we've been talking about. And then the ho is actually law. Oh, all right. So it's like the the law of this demon realm thing. Yeah, and it was supposed to be in opposite, like an antithesis to a bupo, the law of the Buddhas. Oh, all right. And so they coined that word as a, again, you can see that they're doing it kind of based on meaning ma demon, but they're also doing it because of the sound as well. Gotcha, Ma- gotcha. Magic, maho, the ma is the same. Maho, it was the first word that they made to be the Japanese translation of magic. And then the, it was sort of supplanted later by other words. So there's like mado, which is like, it's the kanji for road or way. And so mado is supposed to be like the antithesis of Shinto, the way of the gods. So versus that, the way of the demons. And that's where... Uh, Bobbity and Bibbity in the series, they're Madoshi. Right, right. I was going to say that's we do have something like that later on. Yeah, and so all these different words for magic itself and almost another topic that doesn't even really involve Dragon Ball so much <laughs> as just uh, manga and anime in general. Right, you get into the Maho Shoujo and totally different realm. But because of that, Ma went took on an additional meaning of, besides demons, it took on the meaning of magic. Gotcha. And so that's why we get into later things where it's almost um, ambiguous whether it's meaning demons or magic. Like to skip ahead a bit, there's the term, like yeah, and or uh, Mao, like mm, a demon right. king. Within Dragon Ball, we think of Piccolo, who's a king of demons. But the term Mao is also used for genie. Like um, if you've ever seen the ha- uh, Hanna Barbara uh, cartoon, what is it like Shazan? It's not Shazan. It's like some. It's okay. The, G- the big genie guy. Yeah, yeah. In, in Japan, he's called Maho whatever his name is, Shazan or something. And so it's used for genies. And in that sense, it's a king of magic instead of a king of demons. So it has these two meanings where it can mean something that's demonic and evil and opposed to all that is good and decent, or it can mean just supernatural power in general. And in that sense, it, it's a bit, it's a little more neutral. It can be good or evil. And so into the 20th century, it moved a little bit away from its original connotations as just pure evil. Gotcha. I mean, that happens with language. Words take on new meanings, new forms. Okay, so this one kanji with all these different meanings it's been used went on to be used to form all these various different phrases and some of these originate in folklore and tradition and some of them were created more for just fantasy fiction and video games and so they're based sort of on folklore but they didn't spring directly from it it's kind of like uh, orcs which Tolkien, uh, Lord of the Rings, he invented, he coined the term. Oh, really? Yeah, and so it's based on, um, well, Orcus was a god of the underworld, uh-huh. and it also means sea monster and all this stuff, and Tolkien, he was a linguist, he knew all that, and he based the term off of that, but it's, in its modern meaning, it originates just from Tolkien's books. Interesting. So, and we get sort of the same thing here with some of these terms, where it's not, they're not authentically folkloric. They're just, they're meant to evoke this, those sorts of themes, but they're more, you see them more in just video games, anima, manga. Gotcha. Just our world rather than <laughs> the real language. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why they're so applicable with Dragon Ball. All right. Well, I guess let's go to really what became one of my favorite gags <laughs> in the TV version of uh, Dragon Ball with the Ma, the Ma, and the Ma, the Kana, the Hiragana, and the Kanji. The Mazoku. Yes, and we're going here roughly in order of importance to Dragon Ball and or when they appear chronologically in Dragon Ball, rather than um, 
chronological when the terms originated. Yeah, yeah. Like I was kind of saying, Mazoku is one of those terms where it originates more from just fantasy fiction, and that's where it spread. And it means literally the Ma is what we've been talking about, and the Zoku is like a clan or a race or a tribe, and so it's a demonic or magical tribe. And so it's in a lot of stories, it's essentially an evil or demonic race that's opposed to humans or the gods. And so in Dragon Ball, it's used in the manga, it's used for Piccolo Daimao and his spawn. They first appear, the, the first main demonic entity in the series, I guess you could say, Piccolo, he's supposed to be the head of all these demons who he's just... He lays these eggs from his mouth, and they all look very different. They they're all green, but that's the and a lot of them have wings, but that's the only common feature. Right, right. I mean, this gets into later plot points. Well, they're actually Namekians, and we see what reproduction is like. But I guess we can talk about that at, at some point. Yeah, but yeah. He's creating these underlings, these minions, and he's collectively calling everyone the Mazoku. Yeah, and there's no explanation for this. It's just it's not like Cyan where. Uh, Raditz, he explains what a sign is and what it's supposed to be. It's just very, well, here's a bunch of Mazoku. Right. Kind of, Toriyama's assuming you're already going to either be familiar with the term or it's just self-explanatory. Right. Well, the word kind of does explain itself, but then you kind of have to know the Japanese behind it as well. So. so Piccolo shows up. He's said to be a demon king. He has all these demon offspring. So, But after he's defeated, it turns out that Piccolo, he comes from the evil in the heart of the god of Earth. And so to become god, this guy, he had to become pure good and he had to cast out all the evil in his heart. And somehow, in a way that's not really explained, this evil became a separate doppelganger. Well, if you go by the TV version, I think it's shown three different ways over the course of the series. Yeah, there's the one where there he's in bed just rolling around. Yeah, yeah and he kind of like rips himself out. Yeah, and they don't try to be consistent even among themselves, no, the filler. No, it's great. I've been meaning to do a comparison video about that, but I guess that's for another day. All right, so yeah, he uh, kind of somehow expels this evil from within him, and then we're stuck with a guy who becomes God and a guy who becomes his demon lord. Yeah, so it's God and the devil, right? basically. And that's all we get in the way of an explanation in the series is just Piccolo, he's made out of evil, and so pretty good reason to be demonic, I guess you'd say. He's like Mr. Hyde. Yeah, yeah. And then, But then later it gets conf- kind of weird where it, it's explained that the guy who became God and Piccolo is actually the child of Katats, a Namekian who fled to Earth. And so it gets into this kind of weird area where some people say, well, I guess he wasn't ever really a demon. People just thought he was because he was green and scary looking. But... The thing about that is that no one ever thought that the god of Earth was a demon. Even the god of Earth, even Kami-sama, he thinks that Piccolo's a demon. Right. But he doesn't think he he's a demon himself. That makes perfect sense because, I mean, it was this... <sighs> Artificial is not really the right word, but it was this completely separate entity that was split off from him. That seems very demonic, very magical, so to speak. Yeah, and it's almost like getting ahead of ourselves again, there's a Majin Vegeta, and we can discuss how appropriate calling him a Majin is, but... It's very clear that he's been influenced by magic, and he's now he's powered up through Bobby's magic, so he's at least partially magical being, but at the same time, he's still a scion, he's still an alien. Right, right. So the two concepts of being an alien and being demonic, they're not necessarily contradictory in Dragon Ball. Right. You get a point here. I think this is really interesting, because it, it kind of gives more character to what the Mazoku really are. It's those that are killed by the Mazoku, they can't pass on to the afterlife, and they can actually destroy the cloud. Yeah, this is explained. Well, uh, Karin, he ex- tells Goku that those who are killed by the Mazoku, they are unable to pass over to the afterlife. And so they just wander through space suffering. And it gets a little messed up in translation where some some translations have said that they're in limbo, but they were being more metaphoric. They can't, they're dead, but they can't go on to the next world, so it's, they're just stuck in the middle. But there's no specific place called Limbo that they go to. Okay, gotcha. They're just floating around in the air, I guess. Right. It's like there's the ozone layer, and then there's just a layer of evil spirits or something. You know what? It's the Dragon World. It's very possible. And then, well, then later in the series, when, uh, Goku and Raditz are killed by Piccolo. So we've got the god of Earth. He's talking with Mr. Popo and he says, you know, 
Turns out Piccolo's not as evil as he used to be because Goku and Raditz are in the afterlife. Right. And normally that's not supposed to happen. And so again, there's no exact explanation of how this all all this demonness works or what you need to do to qualify, but it seems to be basically just all about evil. Like the original Piccolo, he was born from evil, so he was a demon, and now that Piccolo's getting good, I guess he's naturally transitioned into being more like a normal person. Yeah, it's very vague. It doesn't seem very harsh. Any kind of set limits anywhere. It's just this gradual progression over time. And then the thing with Kintoan, in the series, we see that Tambourine, he destroys Kintoan, and then it never comes back. Previously, we had seen that when Kintoan was destroyed by uh, Silver's Bazooka, right. it just reformed a little while later. But Kintoan, Goku, he needs to get an entirely new one. And so this isn't expanded on in the series, but in uh, Daizenshu 4, it explains that one of the main characteristics of the Mazoku is that their key has the ability to permanently erase Kintoan. <laughs> that very specifically. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't explain why, but we can speculate Kintoan, you're supposed to only write it if you have a pure heart. Yeah, so yeah. maybe Kintoan is pure good. And if the Mazoku key is pure evil, they would cancel each other out. Gotcha. It makes sense when you dig into it, but it's kind of like, really? That they wanted to describe that? All right. All right. Well, we've talked about a lot of stuff in the manga and you can transition away from being Mazoku. In the TV version, we have some additional stuff that comes into play. And actually, it's movie one plus filler because we're talking about Garlic Jr. here. Yes. So in movie one, they explain that they have Garlic Jr. and he's got his followers and they're all from the Mazoku. And they don't really, ex this is another thing where they don't quite explain anything, but it's, they're in opposition, again, they're in opposition to God, so. Right, that's, I mean, that's the whole point of the movie, the background and the background to the movie and then the movie itself. Yeah, very directly. But then when they re reappear in the DBZ filler, their origin is kind of toyed around with a little and it's said that they're from planet Makyo, which is, it's the kanji for ma again and then the kanji for an evil or calamity or things like that okay and i should say here that it's it is in fact a planet but the dub the funimation dub they translated as makyo star and it gets into the whole thing where uh the kanji for uh star in japanese it can be star or planet right right because um it goes back to the days when astronomy there weren't any advanced telescopes and so all these things were just <laughs> dots in the sky right, just showing right. you things it's kind of like an asteroid. It, it actually means something like a star, but we now know that asteroids aren't anything like stars. Right. So it's you can it's a common thread. Yeah, it's, you can see where that would come from. It's just a leftover thing from the olden days. Gotcha. And so, so I don't know why Funimation did this because with Planet uh, Namek, Namek has the same thing. It's Namek Say. and there they called it Planet Namek. With Makio Say, they called it ma uh, Makio Star. I don't know if they were just, I don't know, goofing off or if they wanted to maybe um, get around the fact that Gohan blows up the planet. <laughs> That's they true. They thought that might look bad. So, oh, it's just a star. No one lives there. I don't know. That was still at the time when the scripts were terrible. They were all new to it. No one had any clue what the hell they were doing. So so anyway, they come from this big red planet called Planet Machio, and it approaches Earth once every 5,000 years. And so Garlic Jr.'s ancestors uh, just migrated from Machio to Earth the last time it came around. And then... The next time, it, by an amaz another amazing coincidence, the next time it comes around happens to be in the course of the series. Right. And it, when it approaches Earth, it, it's like the opposite of Krypton and Superman, because when their homeland approaches, it actually makes Garlic and Co. stronger, dozens and dozens of times stronger. And so Garlic, he breaks free from the dead zone and that he's able to fight all the characters now that they're a lot more powerful. And then in the end, Gohan, he blows up the planet. Garlic gets weak. He falls back into the dead zone and the whole story just comes full circle. And the interesting thing here is that, uh, so again, we see they're supposed to be aliens, but they're still supposed to be demons too. Okay. And expanding on that, they actually turn earthlings into demons with the aqua mist. Yeah, this is very interesting because they kind of turn into these zombie things where they get super powered and they can spread the ability or the characteristics of Masoku as they're fighting and biting each other. Yeah, they're like vampires and so they spread this mist all over the world. Everyone becomes this, even Chi-Chi and uh, all Yamcha, all the good guys except Gohan and uh, Krillin and... Uh, I think Marin. Well, Piccolo avoids it too. He was just faking it the whole time. Yeah, and so a few people. And then in the end, they managed to turn everyone back to normal. But again, we see that they're supposed to be earthlings, but at the same time, demons. So it's like being a, a Mazoku, at least. It's not its own race. It's just like a almost 
almost like a class. I was in just going to say that. I was terms. just going to say that. <laughs> Something you are in addition to your race or species. Right. You're a human, but you're also a warrior or you're a mage or you're a demon. And I guess that's how Dragon Ball Line treats it a little bit, but I'm not too knowledgeable on that area. Right. And so we uh, we get another Mazoku in the anime in a DBZ movie four. And again, they're from outer space. And so it's uh, Slug and his henchmen land on Earth and they call themselves the Mazoku. And this time they say that they're weak to sunlight, which is something we haven't heard before. And again, it makes them seem even more like vampires. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're just they like the idea. So they start expanding on it. But by expanding on it, they're kind of, I don't know, they're retconning the prior stuff to make no sense, but whatever, it's movie four, who the hell cares? No one watched it. It seems like another way that DBZ movie four is just recycling the Piccolo Daimao arc. Yeah. By here's another guy and he's got Mazoku henchmen too. And so in the movie, they don't quite explain where Slug's henchmen are from. Slug himself, obviously, he's from Namek. But okay, according to Japanese Wikipedia, there was a, a pamphlet that for each of the movies, they handed out a pamphlet to whoever attended the premiere. And so in the pamphlet, it's said that his henchmen are from, from Planet Slug. Was this a, a special pamphlet or was it the book for the movie? Because I actually have the brochure for movie four. Oh, huh. That might be it. Well, if that's it, then I can do the research and figure out if that's what they're talking about. Ah, that'd be good. Hooray! I, I, do, I do hate to uh, just do that kind of, oh, according to this thing, there's another thing that says this. Right, right. You're going to have the primary source. All right. So we'll get back to you on that one. Yeah. So, to be continued. <laughs> so, I guess that's it for the Mazoku. All right. Before we get to some more Dragon Ball stuff, and really we're jumping ahead all, all the way to the Boo stuff, you did want to mention a couple of things that are outside of Dragon Ball. Yes, you might have heard the term Mazoku in several other places if you're into other anime, manga, video games. And for instance, there's Yu Yu Hakusho, where it's used as a synonym for yokai. Oh, all right. Which is... A Another word for um, demon or monster or goat. It's very vague. Yokai is a very vague term. Yeah, yokai, yoma, you hear these all the time in other shows. Yeah, and so towards the end of the series, actually, in Yu Yu Hakusho, they suddenly introduce the term mazoku uh, without much explanation, but it seems to be just another term for yokai which in the series has a relatively specific meaning. I can't quite explain what it means because it would be a spoiler or how it's used, but anyway... um. Uh, Steve Simmons, his subtitles translate the term to demon kin. And so kin as in relative, so connecting to Zoku as in a clan or family. And then interestingly enough, the funny, the Funimation dub leaves the term untranslated. In Yu Yu Hakusho? Yeah. Huh. All right. So, then. so the subtitles translate it, the dub doesn't. Interesting. Kind of interesting. Um, there's Chrono Trigger, where it's the race of it's the demon race, and in the uh, translation of the game, the English translation, they're called mystics. And here it's kind of going off of the ma in the sense of magic, because in Chrono Trigger it's established that the mazoku are called that because they're the race that uses magic. Right. And so the uh, English translation, they kind of go more off of that, so they come up with mystic, and it it plays off of how they translate mao, demon king, as, uh, what is it, mate? Magus? Mate? Yeah, magus, which ties back actually into the very origin of the English word magic because it comes from the um, Zoroastrian priesthood and the ma that's where the uh, magi in the Bible, that's where that word comes from. Gotcha. So it, it all kind of connects to each other. And then in the uh, RPG series Lunar, there's the, uh, also a Mazoku and here they're translated in, Engli in the English version as the Vile Tribe for some reason. I think they were just trying to avoid saying demon. Yeah, at that time. They sure were. And then in the uh, Shin Megami Tensei series, Mazoku is one of the various races. It's one of the categories that they um, sort the different mythological beings in the games into. So there's like the Shinzoku, who are the god race, or the Kizoku, which is like the um, Oni or ogre race. And so the Mazoku is one of those. So moving on, we've got Majin which had there are two different ways of writing this and the first one is it's the same ma as before and then it's with the kanji for a person so it's like a demonic person or a magical person and so in practice what this means is some sort of being that has supernatural powers or powers that are beyond what a normal human would be capable of and so besides referring to supernatural beings it also refers to metaphorically to humans who are just very talented and so we see later there's like a there's a famous baseball player in Japan who's called Dai Majin, the Great Majin, huh. just because he's really good at baseball. <laughs> All right. And so, but on the flip side, it's used for, as a Japanese translation for um, like the Ashura or the Devas in a Hindu mythology 
or Zoroastrianism, and also it's used as the Japanese translation for the jinn of from the Arabian Nights. And so this is where we get this is of course what Viz did when they translated the series. They translated Majin as jinn, and I, I actually it turns out that the a uh, jinn is the plural form, and so actually singular it should be genie. So it should be genie boo instead of majin boo. And even uh, Steve Simmons, when he did Yu Yu Hakusho, um, at one point there's these game majin, and he translates that as game genie. <laughs> well, I think maybe he... part of that was just making a joke. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, pun on the old uh, cheat device. So, but ge- yeah, it is very common to translate genie into Japanese as majin. And even in- at the end of Doctor Slump, there's a bona fide genie in a lamp who comes out and the term they use is Majin. Makes sense. And he's used by a middle e- of this blatantly Middle Eastern country and all very obviously Aladdin's lamp inspired. And so but in the series, we again just get the term introduced without any real explanation. And so Kaioshin, he's explaining to Goku and everyone about how Bibidi he made this terrifying Majin called Boo. And he doesn't he explains about who Boo is, but he doesn't explain what the term Majin means. He just assumes that Goku and everyone else knows it. Yeah, and they seem to. Yeah, and so actually even Gohan, when he first sees Boo, he's like, you know, he was a Maj- Majin, so I kind of thought he'd be bigger. <laughs> so he has some mental image of what a Majin should look like. And by this point, Gohan's been reading up on some stuff, so he's probably reading some old fairy tales and novels. And and even uh, Goten and Trunks, when Videl explains what's going on, they're really excited to learn that there's a Majin. Right. So they take off because they want to see it. So obviously all these people, they know what Majin means. That's one argument you could make for translating the term because English speakers, they'd know what a genie is, but they wouldn't know what a Majin is. But it's it's an argument for another time. Sure. But I guess bottom line is that Viz wasn't doing anything out of anything strange in and of itself. It's just not what was done previously in Dragon Ball fandom. Right, but also, like you said, they're using a pluralized version of yeah. a word, so... because they're trying to make it sound like Majin, so they're almost too smart for their own good. And we talked about that extensively during the Boo arc, so... All right, so... We, we got to talk about now, it kind of moves away from the canonical series, if you will, into Dragon Ball Online. Yeah, so in the main series, of course, uh, despite the fact that people know what a Majin is, the only one we see is Boo himself. But in Dragon Ball Online, by the year age 1000, over 200 years after the series ends, there is now an entire race of Majin living on Earth. And actually, uh, the official backstory for the series explains that they're all descended from Boo himself and his wife, Booby. Which he made from himself. Yeah, so it's all very incestuous. Definitely. At a fundamental level. And it explains that Boo's power actually gets weaker as he keeps dividing. So it's it's less reproduction as it is just Boo splitting up. Mm, right. So maybe if they all recombined, you get this original Boo at some point. Yeah. But then that would probably piss all the players off. I suppose so. Yeah. So that's their story. And there's different classes of uh, Majin. Which they, they're, all the class names end in Ma. So it's like there's the Plasma, the Grandma, all this weird stuff. And then also we've got a Majin race in DB Heroes, where they've got, they're in there along with the Saiyans and uh, Frieza's clan. And so they have the three different kinds where it's the hero type, the berserker type, uh, whatever, oh, the elite type. Right. So it's the same kind of idea, but I don't think there's any explanation on where those guys come from. So apart from uh, Boo and people derived from Boo, uh, fans have used the term Majin to refer to the people who Bobbity takes over with his magic and he powers them up. Right. Well, the most the most interesting thing here is it's never Majin Spopovich. It's always Majin Vegeta. Yeah, because we never really see Spopovich or Yamu before they become Majin. I mean, there's this brief flashback, a little longer in the anime, but other than that... Right. Like, it's mentioned that they existed before. Or was it Jewel who says that? He yeah, he's before? like, oh, I, c- I couldn't recognize, I didn't recognize Spopovich. And he, ima- in it, there's a little uh, thought bubble, and it turns out Spopovich used to have a beard and right. really long hair. And so, but with Vegeta, obviously, he's around a long time before Bobbity takes him over. So there's more of a need to kind of set the sure. uh, Bobbity controlled f- form of Vegeta apart. Right. But the, the thing is, this, near as I can figure, this originated as a fan term. It's not used in the series. And the uh, first guidebooks and whatnot, they called the form stuff like uh, Hakai Oji Vegeta, so the Destructive Prince Vegeta, right? Or just Brainwash Vegeta, and that's kind of, that's what they use in the guidebooks and the early video games. But it wasn't until the revival of the series with the the new 3D fighters that even the Japanese games started to call this guy Majin Vegeta, and so it's kind of an, 
it's like a fan term becoming quasi-official. Mm, yeah. And so there's um, nothing, it's not in the series, but there is something similar where Yakon, Kaioshin does call uh, Yakon Maju Yakon. And Maju, it's like, it's the... It's like the animal version of Majin, where they just replace the kanji for person with the pers- the kanji for animal. Oh, all right. And so you could maybe see that as being the same thing, or maybe Yakun was just always called that. We don't really know. Gotcha. No, I can see where you're going there, where if that's an official classification, if you want to take Kaioshin's word for it, then sure, you could apply Majin to someone who's in, in a human being. And then in a Daizenshu 4, in the little uh, section on Babidi and his followers, there's this line where it says that the uh, Majin Tachi, which is kind of, it, it's very complicated, but it's Japanese like had all like collective pluralization. Yeah, it's not quite a plural, but here it more or less is. So it's multiple Majin. It says they gather together to try and revive Boo. And so obviously it's talking about Bobbity and his followers. So that's an official guidebook uh, referring to Bobbity's followers as Majin. And so I think that's the earliest uh, thing that's the official use of that term for someone other than Boo within Dragon Ball. Gotcha. So I guess we could move on to the second Majin. <laughs> One of my favorite characters of all time. There's the arcade game DBZ VRVS, which features as its end boss the Majin Ozokto, who the game translates Majin here as Super Monster. Yeah, the, the game has its own English translation that you can flip back and forth between. Very, so, Super Monster, very strange. Maybe Viz should have used that. That would have been fun. Yeah, Boo the Super Monster, I like that. Yeah, and in the game, I still have not found any backstory for this character. No, he's just kind of there. Yeah, he, Toriyama designed him, and that's about it. He exists, and he can shapeshift into other people. He looks like Hildegarn combined with Janemba with three eyes. <laughs> he's like every villain ever combined into one. I'm saying that he's Tin Shin Han's long lost great grandfather. I'm with you. But you heard it here first, unless you listened to the, the last podcast where we talked about <laughs> That's him. That's right. But anyway. I think you mentioned it before. And so uh, this second reading of Majin, where it's a demonic or magical god, it's used most prominently in DB in the title for the second DB movie 2, not DBZ, just DB, with uh, the sleeping princess of Devil's Castle, Majin Jo no Nemori Hime. Yeah, it's interesting because it's Majin Jo, but we're, we just say devil there. Yeah, and well, I'd assume that the Eng- English, uh, the Funimation dub, they translate it as devil because the main, the lord <laughs> yeah. of Majin Castle is Lu- named Lucifer. Right. Even though he looks like Dracula, but whatever. <laughs> Very strange. And then also strangely um, notable that the term Majin with the second meaning, it's only used in the title and the name of the castle. It's never actually directly applied to Lucifer or his henchmen. Lucifer himself, he's just called a Mao, a demon king. Uh, okay, so the second reading of Majin it also turns up in it's sometimes a typo for Majin Buu because the two terms are supposed to have distinct meanings where a, a, a Majin person, it's more it's closer to a human, whereas with the god kanji, it's more like a godlike being. But in practice, they're just used interchangeably. Right. And so we get um, there's actually the original script for Dragon Ball Z episode 229 spelt Majin Buu's name with this incorrect kanji, with the kanji for god instead of person. It's good to know that the Japanese can screw up their own stuff, too. Yeah, and you see fans do this, too, and it's just a funny little thing. Moving on, we've got Gen Majin. So this is the final iteration of Majin, and here, again, the kanji is, it's gone back to the kanji for person, and the Gen kanji is the kanji for a phantom or an illusion. A phantom in the sense of something that's not really there, as opposed to a ghost. Okay. As near as I can tell, the term Genmajin originates entirely with DBZ Movie 13. Really? So they're creating their own word here? Yeah, more or less. I mean, there's this one, there's random instances before that, like there's this one video game I managed to find from like 1983. But anyway, basically originate, if you find the term Genmajin, it's just going to be DBZ Movie 13, where it refers to Hildegarn. But uh, it the most uh, prominent uh, predecessor I found is uh, not Genmajin, but simply Genma which is used in the series Genma Taisen, which is by the author who did Eight Man, which is actually one of Toriyama's favorite manga authors. He's gone on record as saying. And so in that series, it's it's the name of a evil, it's this alien race, but again, they're kind of demonic. It's again, mixing and mashing these kinds of things. And so I think it's most, it's supposed to be a takeoff of that 
And also, obviously, it's a takeoff of Majin from the main from main Dragon Ball series because DBZ Movie 13 came out when the series was in the Boo arc. Right. So it's again the movie is kind of ripping off the main series, and so. Gen, uh, Gen Majin Hildegarn, he was originally supposed to be a statue of a Majin. And then these, uh, evil wizards came along and they infused it with evil energy and turned him into a real Majin. Uh, Gen Majin in this case. So he just comes to life out of this statue. And he's on planet Konats and then, uh, Minosia and, uh, Tapion, they, gets cut in half, sealed inside those guys. Uh, hilarity ensues. <laughs> I suppose. And so, uh, S uh, Steve Simmons, in his, uh, Subtitles. He translates the term as phantasm, which, like I said, it goes off of the gen meaning a phantom or an illusion. Right. I like that. It makes sense. Yeah. It's the same thing where uh, that's not real. It's he's using a term where it's like you can kind of just sense what it's supposed to mean, yeah, even yeah. if phantasm phantasm doesn't generally refer to a monster like that. It's like inherent. It's a. Uh, Hard to explain, but just intuitively logical, you could say. That's right. You don't need to try and describe it because then it won't make sense. All right. So let's move on. We're kind of, we say we're going in order, but we're kind of skipping on a little bit around here. We have to talk about what Akuma is. Yes. And this isn't the Street Fighter character. No, because his name is Goki. Yeah, strangely enough. And so Akuma... Aku is the kanji for evil. And so very literally, it's an evil demon or simply a devil. And so I talked a little bit before about how as time went on, ma started out meaning simply all that was wrong or opposed to good. And then it that meaning faded and it was just supernatural things in general. And so because of that, you almost had the need to specify that here is an evil demon mm. instead of just... It's almost the opposite of what happened in uh, with the Greek term demon, where the word originates, where it was originally neutral, and then it became specifically evil. Gotcha. And so Akuma is originally coined actually to refer to Buddhist devils, but then nowadays it's used mostly to refer to Christian devils. And so that's kind of how we see in the series, where Akman is Urnai Baba's, uh, her most powerful fighter, except when Grandpa Gohan shows up. Right. And he's won the Tenkaichi Budokai two times in the past. He and Mr. Satan are the only people we know win it multiple times. Yeah, and it's off screen. Yeah. And so Akman, it's actually with, um, it's, so the joke is that it combines Akuma with Man, just, the, you know, so he's like, it's almost like having a hero called Dayman, like a demon man. Right, right. It's this very low grade pun. And Toriyama actually reused the pun again. He in sure did. One of his one shot mangas, uh, Go Go Akman. And there it refers to this guy who he kind of looks like uh, Trunks. Only if he does. It's like he's. He's got the hair, he's got the sword, but he's red and short. He's really, really tiny. Yeah. So he's like, he's like kid trunks combined with future trunks combined with a demon. And a shrubbery or something. Yeah. And so uh, Toriyama has addressed this issue in Dragon Ball Forever, the guidebook. It has a name pun guide. And Toriyama says that how he reused the name for this second character. And he says that, I guess it was just an easy pun. Yeah, that's Toriyama for us. And so in the case of a Gogo Akman, it's the name is romanized A-C-K-M-A-N. And but with... Uh, the Dragon Ball character, it's usually people have traditionally just spelled it A-K-K-U, or they've translated it to Devil Man. Right. Or I think in Viz, he's simply the devil. And so... Yeah, it's a strange kind of name where you can translate it if you want, because we do have similar ways of combining words to get the point across. Yeah. And it's interesting to see almost how... You wouldn't think, going by the English version, that these two characters had the same name because they've been treated differently in adaptations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was um, in, you know, the um, Oniu Tokusentai in V-Jump? Yeah, yeah, these kind of punerific Ginyu knockoff characters. Yeah, they, there was this part where they mention Akman and they spell it A-C-K-M-A-N because they label him in alphabet letters for some reason. Right, right. Well, let's talk about Akman a little bit more because we get some extra information about him or maybe where he comes from. Yeah, so in the series, Akman... Akman, he's fighting Goku and he says, oh, I'll take you to my homeland, to hell. And that's really all we get. And then the Daizenshu expand on this and they say that, in fact, Akman literally comes from hell. And he's a member of the race of devils of Akuma. So this is one of the races that inhabits hell, but it's just, they're not the only ones living there. It says that there's actually other demonic races just hanging out in hell. And so it's like this whole hellish ecosystem we don't really see. And so Dragon Ball, the adventure special, they also say that Akman has an older sister who is named Majon, which is a pun on Majo, which is 
Japanese for witch. Literally, it's witch, but it's the uh, kanji. It's the kanji for ma combined with the kanji for uh, woman. So it's like a magical or demonic woman. It's the Joe from Shoujo and Jose, right? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. And so we never see Mahjong. It's just one of these uh, random little yeah, just backstory things away. we get occasionally in guidebooks. And But interestingly, in um, Akamon kind of has a compare, uh, companion character or like a predecessor in uh, Dr. Slump who's called Chivil. And he's this little baby devil and he comes from hell. And he, uh, Chivil has an older sister who is an actual witch. So it's like reusing the same ideas again. Well, we like see devil. that all the time with Toriyama. Yeah, so it's, a, again, a devil with a witch for a sister. You know, you really do see Dragon Ball in a whole new light when you go back and read Dr. Slump. Yeah, and the other thing with Chibble is he rides this dragon called Taxi Dragon, which seems to be the basis for Hire Dragon in the <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Right. Because Hire is, it's supposed to mean a chauffeur. Right. It's not like he, he's a dragon higher than other dragons. He's a dragon who ferries people around. I can't remember if it's multiple movies. It's at least one. Uh, Gohan has an Arale poster on his uh, bedroom wall at some point. Yeah, you see that a lot. It's just a common... Um, Easter egg they insert. Right. So the the movie directors clearly have Dr. Slump on the mind. Yeah. So uh, moving on, uh, even further back in time, you could say we've got Oni. As I said before, this was one of the characters used to actually create the character, the kanji for Ma. Right, right. And so originally Oni, it referred to evil, the spirits of the dead, which were often seen as malevolent. And over time, it evolved into being this sort of an ogre-like figure who often lived in the mountains and ate human flesh, and they have horns, and uh, they carry big spike iron clubs. And they're often, uh, they have, they wear tiger skins and have ox horns because they come from the northeast, which is uh, supposed to be the direction of the tiger and the ox. Gotcha. And so it's originally, it's a figure from Chinese mythology that's spread to Japan. And so they're supposed to punish sinners in hell and assist Enma Dayo, who's the king of the afterlife and the king of hell. And so they've got that whole afterlife association. And that's mainly the form we see them in, in Dragon Ball. <laughs> Except they've become salarymen. Yeah, it's this very, um, not like, it's a, a very irrelevant way of treating these traditional concepts. Where Enma, he's just stamping paper as he has a desk job. Oh, the we've Oni. talked about this. I mean, you go back to Journey to the West in Chinese mythology, the afterlife and these gods. There's an entire bureaucracy set up around this. Yeah. And you go to Yu Yu Hakusho, you see pretty much the exact same thing. Right, right. So it's this common theme, you could say. And But before we see uh, the Oni in the afterlife, we see uh, Oolong transform into an Oni when he's terrifying that one village. Ah, right, right. So that's an early introduction to the concept. And in the uh, in the manga, the main Oni we see is the guy who takes Goku to the Snake Road. But in the anime, we have uh, Goz and Mez, who are the guardians of hell who Goku briefly meets. And these two are likewise, they're named after the traditional guardians of Japanese hell. And Gozu, it means the uh, ox head, and Mezu is a horse head. Uh, traditionally, these people are actually supposed to have those heads, but we don't really see that with Goz and Mez in Dragon Ball Z. Right. They're, but they are red and blue, which is the traditional colors you see with Oni where there's they're usually in pairs with a red and a blue one and so again the joke is that they're not very fearsome and they, they wear gym outfits for some reason and they hang out in this very average looking um, <laughs> like municipal government building right right and then in a DBZ movie 12 we have the Psyche Oni who is Psyche it's supposed to be short for psychedelic because he listens to psychedelic music <laughs> it just sounds like normal rock and roll to me yeah I don't know uh, I guess they have slightly different ideas ideas about genres but anyway that's what they call him in in the credits and in the daizenshu and so this is the guy he's uh, goofing off listening to his music and he gets soaked in the evil from the tanks from the evil spirits sent to hell he turns into janenba and all hell literally breaks loose and then in the end he gets turned back to normal right so those are the oni in the series now we're jumping well it's kind of the same time period as movie 12 here, the Makai. Yes, the demon world or demon realm, you could say. This is another, this is a concept that it originates from Buddhism. Originally, it was supposed to be more of a state of mind, like an evil state of mind, hmm. where if you're like in Zen, if you're trying to attain enlightenment, but you kind of get too, like you become egotistical. You think, well, I'm really making progress towards enlightenment. I'm really, I'm way smarter than these average people. So if you, it's like this pitfall you kind of fall into. Gotcha. And from there, it became, it was originally this very metaphorical thing and it became more and more literal. And so it also became to mean like any place of temptation 
location, like a red lights district. Mm, all right. Or even even just any area that was kind of evil, like places that were traditionally in legend associated with demons. They were said to be like a demon world, even though they're obviously, it's just like an area. It's not their own world. Gotcha. And then it once uh, in the 20th century, it started to take on a completely new meaning where it became like an alternate dimension where demons just hung out. So it's like, uh, you know, you've got the re- world of regular people and then in a parallel universe, there's just the world where all the evil demons live. And you see this in tons and tons of manga and anime and video games. And so if you've ever played a Disgaea, that's set in the Makai, and Yu Yu Hakusho, it had, that's a very important part of the series, and all these places. And in Dragon Ball, it's supposed to be the uh, place where Dabra rules. And this is something that people have always been curious about, because well, where did he come from? Is he just from someplace in our world, but it doesn't seem like he's part of our world so it's this alternate demon dimension realm that babadi grabbed him out of yeah we don't get a lot of information in the series and so kaioshin he just says that there's the world goku and co they live in and then there's a world on the flip side right right like the opposite side almost like the opposite side of a coin you could say Right, because he wherever he's from, it's not hell. We've seen the hell. We know Akiman's there and a whole bunch of other folks. So he's from this other place. Yeah, and they make a point of this in the series where uh, if Dabra dies, he goes to Enma to be judged. And Enma tells Goku that normally I just send the guy to hell, but he's from the demon world. So he probably would have liked being in hell. So I sent him to heaven instead. Which, of course, we get to see a little more of in the TV version. Great stuff. Yeah. Clearly, hell and the demon world, they're not the same place, but they're similar. So similar enough where if you like one, you'd like the other. Gotcha. And so, but that's basically all the information we get. And I should say that in the series, the in the manga at least, the demon world is mentioned three times, and each time it has a slightly different name. <laughs> Love it. So first it's the Makai, then the Akumakai. So Akuma, Devil, and then the Ankoku Makai, so the Devil Whelm of Darkness. Very confusing, but in the uh, in the guidebooks, they expand a little bit, where they say that it's actually on the bottom of the, uh, the kind of, the giant ball that makes up the Dragon Ball cosmos, you could say. It gets very complicated thinking of a term to use, because you've got, you've got the universe, and that's just a small part of this thing. Right, right. And so, but... Toriyama, the way he draws it, it's this giant snow globe, basically. Yeah, yeah. And you've got, it's divided in half, and the top half is the afterlife, and on the bottom of the afterlife is hell, and then there's a Enma's palace and Kaio's planet, and above that heaven and all that stuff. And then the the bottom half of the globe is divided into two parts. The top half is the universe, where Goku lives. And then the bottom half is the demon world. And so, it's almost like the uh, demon world is the living world complement to hell like they're both at the bottom of the respective spheres of influence yeah it makes sense and so uh the daizenshu 7 it says that in the demon world magic is uh, more influential than science so even whatever passes for science in dragon ball it's even less influential <laughs> in the demon world right so you can only imagine what that's like and it says that it's divided into different sections like the universe is the universe we've got north south east west the demon world we don't know how it's divided but it is but everything is ruled over by Dabra. And then it says that the regular gods, the Kaios, the Kaioshins, they can't even see what's going on in the demon world. So it's this chaotic place, they say. And so a little more information, although it doesn't really, I mean, it clears stuff up, but it almost makes you ask even more questions. Yeah, at that point, you kind of wish that they just didn't say anything. Yeah, and we and expanding on that, uh, with the super exciting guides, the character volume, Toriyama has added even more confusing information. At least it's funny. Yeah, it is. It's funny. So he says that the demon world has Makayo and Makayo Shin, which are the antithesis of the Kaios and Kaioshins that rule the regular, the rest of the universe. Right. It's obviously, it's just Kayo, Kaioshin with Ma stuck at the end. And so it's like the king of the demon realm and the god of the king of the demon realm. And we don't know how many people there are of either of these groups. Again, Japanese, no true plural form. But uh, Toriyama, he says that there are Shinjin, the uh, core people. They're the race that the Kaio and Kaioshin are chosen from. And occasionally there be evil Shinjin. And it says that they go to be with the Makayo. It doesn't real. it doesn't flat out say that they they are selected to become Makayo. It just says that they go to like hang out with them. So it's very vague. Yeah. So it, they could be their allies. They could be uh, the the candidates to become Makayo themselves, but we don't know. So we again, we have very little information. And so people have always 
the moment this information came out, people were asked, is Dabra Makayo or Makayoshin? Because he's said to be king of the demon world, and literally that's what Makayo means. Right, he rules them all. So is he? Well, no one clarified. Yeah, and you know, uh, Toriyama even, he says that the, Ma- the Kayo are so- and Kayoshin, they're supposed to be uh, stronger than the Makayo and Makayoshin, but Dabra's supposed to be stronger than Kayoshin. So how does this work? <laughs> and the, my, my theory... This like there's nothing to confirm one way or the other, but I think that Dabra he's probably I mean Kaioshin compares him to Goku and the others where they're just the strongest they're the strongest in their world he's the strongest in his so he's probably I think he's like a, a regular guy who just became stronger than the gods sure his sure gods. I mean that's so. a great way to describe it because Kaioshin can't believe that these mere mortals are. Well, I guess he's mortal too, but these regular old <laughs> humans have become so much stronger than the gods. And we're talking about this demon world being the kind of complement to the regular world that we see. So, sure, Dabra is just Goku, or maybe Gohan, in this other world. Yeah, so that's that's what I think. But we, we'll see one day, maybe. <laughs> and so in uh, Dragon Ball Online, some people have theorized that there's a villain, a villainess in Dragon Ball Online called Towa, who... Uh, She's supposed to be kind of the ringleader behind everything, pulling the strings. And she looks suspiciously like a female evil Kaioshin. Yep. And she even has earrings that look suspiciously similar to the Potara. So is she a Makaioshin? We don't know yet, as far as I know. But she seems like the best candidate currently. I mean, the sec- as soon as Toriyama mentioned this stuff in the Super Exciting Guides, yeah, people, were saying, people were saying, like, I, wonder, I, I wonder if this is going to turn up in Dragon Ball Online. Because why else would he bother just dropping this information now? <laughs> right, right. It's very rare that he comes up with this information that's not just, oh, well, his name is this. This was kind of this background story that really sets the stage for something. And I'm shocked that it hasn't become this larger plot point in anything else. Yeah, so we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. So in addition to Dabra's Makai, there is another Makai that it's mentioned way before he turns up. Oh my god, that's right. Old filler. And so in DB episode 81, the original DB anime, when Goku, there's this whole filler arc where he's traveling around so he can train to fight in the 22nd Tenka Ichibudoka. Yeah, we actually talked about this a while back with the Journey to the West references. Yeah, and so there's the, uh, the there's Ginkaku, Kinkaku, um, that stuff. And then another thing he does is he goes to the demon world. <laughs> Fancy that. We're way the hell back at this point in the series. And... I mean, the reason for this is, like I said, that the demon world is just a very common concept in uh, Japanese multimedia. And so you can just, it's another thing you can just introduce and not have to explain what it is. Right, they all know what we're talking about. Yeah, and so Goku, he he's tra- traveling around the world. He reaches this village that's under attack by demons from the demon world because there's this uh, gate leading to the demon world. And uh, a demon martial artist called Shura has taken a cursed sword and stuck it in the door to just jam it open. And so he they're just causing havoc and Shura has kidnapped Princess Mise from the kingdom, and he's going to marry her despite the fact that she's like 10 years old or something. <laughs> well, Oolong was doing the same thing. Yeah, very squeaky. And so Goku, he goes to the demon world to rescue her, and he's aided by the guardians of the gate to the demon world, Mera and Gora, who are actually named after Goz and Mez, the traditional uh, guardians of hell, only the Z is replaced with Ra. Gotcha. To match uh, Shura. Uh, Shura himself, he's named after the Japanese word for Ashura, which are demons in Hindu mythology. So Goku, he's helped by these guys because they, they don't like what Shura's doing because he's messing with the balance between the living world and the afterlife. It's implied that uh, the demon world here is part of the afterlife, whereas Dabra is one. It's supposed to be part of the living world. Mm, okay. And so people, people in the demon, Dabra, he dies. He goes to the afterlife, which he hadn't been to before. But here it's just part of the afterlife. And they even mention Enma Dayao and uh, God before they appear properly in the series. So it's like this bonanza of uh, premonition filler. Yeah, definitely. And so long story short, it turns out Goku actually, he fights uh, Shura. He gets his ass kicked and he uses the Kamehameha to create a blinding light because... Turns out Shura, like a slug in his henchman, is weak to bright light. He blinds them all. He grabs Misei and just gets the heck out of there. And he closes the door and uh, everyone lives happily ever after, I guess. There's so, again, it's like it's tempting to connect Shura to the Dabra's demon world just Mm -hmm. because, again, we don't get 
it's uh, it's like another thing that doesn't quite fit, but kind of expands the story, you could say. Yeah, and when you're going as in depth as we are right here, you're like you said, you're so tempted to want to just pull it all together and hope that there is thought going into this, but there probably isn't. It's the uh, hope against hope. That's right. So uh, moving on, we've got the Mamono, which is probably the vaguest thing you could possibly get, which is just a magical or demonic being or thing. And so this is uh, used in, I don't think it's used in the series proper, but it's used in Daizenshu 6 when they're classifying all the demonic beings. <laughs> so they use this vague term for the rest of the vague stuff. Yeah, it's like a general term. Like So there's this whole page, there's this uh, chart in Daizenshu 6 classifying all the movie villains according to race. And so, for instance, there's a section on aliens. And it's subdivided into Namekians, Saiyans, and then just uh, aliens. We don't know their race, like Kula. And so then it's got the Mamono, and it divides them up into the Mazoku, the Genmajin, and then, but it has some that are just miscellaneous. And so that's like a Gurames from the very first DB movie, and uh, Janemba from DBZ movie 12. They just don't have anything more specific, and they're just kind of things, and... Gurmes, of course, he started out as a human, and then he was too picky. He was too picky an eater, so he became a monster, which apparently happens, I guess. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yep, makes sense to me. And eventually, he turns back into a regular guy, kind of. <laughs> Still looks a little weird. I think but... that's what he always looked like. You just got to deal with it at your king. Yeah. Uh, must be a lot of inbreeding going on here. <laughs> I know, right? Janenba, too. He's kind of the same way. He starts out a Oni, turns into this evil monster, turns back to the Oni when defeated. And so um, that's really all it is for Dragon Ball, but it gets used in a gosh bell. That's the general term for all the demon monster guys there, which for some reason in the English dub, they call instead of Mamono, they don't even translate it. They just call it Mamodo. Huh. They just change the N to a D. It's like, what? <laughs> Next, we come up to Yokai, which I mentioned before. This is we're getting even more vague here. Yokai originally, if you break it up by kanji, it means like a bewitching mystery or like an otherworldly mystery or it's not even a, it doesn't even inherently mean a specific, like a creature. It's just like a, a odd thing because originally the term, it referred to a phenomenon, supernatural phenomenon. Then over time, it was used to refer to creatures that caused these events. Oh, all right. So like uh, you might be walking along, along the road at night and suddenly there'd be a wall in front of you where there shouldn't be a wall. It's just a mis it's an inexplicable event. And then eventually they'd come up with a monster who's just a wall who walks around and blocks your path at night. <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff like that. And so the term itself, it's been translated dozens of ways depending on the work. So there's, it's translated as like goblin or ghost or monster or demon or phantom. Just take your pick. Right. I think goblin seems to be the most uh, common, but it's all over the place. And so um, in Dragon Ball, it's used to refer to Oolong when he first appears because he shapeshifts and shapeshifting is one of the uh, characteristic traits of yokai because like I said, they're almost so vague, they're, they weren't originally concrete creatures. And so they're associated with shapeshifting. And most famously, there's the uh, foxes and tanuki. Mm, right. Who are, they're, they're real animals, but if they live long enough, they gain spiritual powers and they can shapeshift into whatever form they want. And Oolong is sort of the same way in that he's just, he, uh, he's just a pig man, but he learned how to shapeshift at kindergarten because they have shapeshifting kindergartens for some reason. I want to know where the rest of those students are these days. I mean, there's poire, but right. you'd think, you think that would come up again, like, I don't know, shape-shifting police or something, secret agents. That would be useful. I know. Oh, well. So, Oolong, he's called a yokai. It's not clear if he really is a yokai or not. Right. I, it's such a vague... I think they're just using the term to describe him, because well, then it is understood what he is, and it's really no longer a mystery. Yeah, and um, interestingly enough, in the uh, predecessor, the kind of prototype for Dragon Ball, it's called Dragon Boy, yeah. Koyama Drew, and it has a uh, another being who's called a yokai, and he looks a lot like Poir. Mm -hmm. And he also shapeshifts, and so you can, again, see Toriyama, his ideas developing or just being recycled, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Don't forget about the Dragon Balls in Dragon Boy. Yeah, which in there, it's literally, a well, there's just one, and a little tiny dragon comes out. Yeah. And uh, I should note that yokai in Dragon Ball, it's a minor thing, but there are other works where it's more common, and most prominently is are the works of... Uh, 
Shigeru Mizuki, who has kind of redefined the term in the public's eye following World War II. He has just put out endless encyclopedias of yokai and illustrations, and he's known for the series Gegege no Kitaro. Oh, all right. Which, um, kind of, it's almost like, um, he puts out encyclopedias and then he has this series where it's like his, the characters actually have adventures. You could, so it's, uh, Kitaro, he's a, a yokai that, uh, Mizuki invented himself. And so he has adventures with yokai who are based off of traditional Japanese mythology. And it's a long running series. And the, it's, it's had multiple anime adaptations. And, uh, I was actually going to say, didn't Kai take over its most recent slot a couple years back? Yeah. Uh, I think so. Uh, notably, Masako Nozawa has voiced Kitaro. That was one of her uh, right, right. Uh, her first major roles. It all connects. That's right. And and the uh, one of the in the nineteenth century, one of the most famous illustrators of yokai was a guy called Toriyama Sekien. <laughs> so moving on, we've got from there we go to the yoma. Yeah, we're kind of closing in on the end of actual Dragon Ball stuff here. Yeah, and so a yoma. It's only used. Uh, yoma is a. Uh, the ma it's so it's like a otherworldly demon i guess you could say and it's used mostly in fantasy works as a translation for the english word demon and sometimes it's used as like a kind of fairy because fairy in japanese is yosei mm. so you place the say say means spirit so you place that with demon you get an evil fairy but in uh, dragon ball it only appears in dragon ball gt where in the little special with goku jr he has to fight the yomao oh, the right, king right. of the yoma and because for some reason uh, it's a hundred years after the series and mount pauzu has been taken over by uh yoma who are led by this giant uh, purple guy and his hands turn into knives and uh guns for some reason and he has these servants so it's kind of weird but goku jr he beats he goes super saiyan because his bear friend is in danger and he beats the guy up it's again it's kind of this thing that's just tossed out there in dragon ball it's not an important term but it's an important term in other series like a sailor moon or claymore right right yeah it's every single episode there's a new yoma sailor moon yeah and uh so in the funimation dub of gt instead of yoma they call him yao for some reason, huh. they just smush it together. For, they always seem to come up with weird things for royal titles. It's like they never quite know how to handle them. Right. Well, that wraps up the actual Dragon Ball series, but we have to mention another Majin character or a series of yeah. characters. Yes, these are the Neko Majin. Hooray! From, yay! From the Neko Majin series. It's again, it's a Neko means cat, and so it's Majin, like we explained before. And here, the term it's written in katakana, and so instead of kanji, so it's kind of like it's it's just supposed to. They're not emphasizing the meaning. They're just emphasizing how the word sounds. Right. It's not magical. It's not demonic. It's just, it just is the word. I mean, it's supposed to imply those things, but right. it's not important. And so that's probably why Viz, when they translated the final chapter of Nekomajin, they just left it untranslated. <laughs> the random inclusion. And so in the series, Nekomajin, it's an invention of Toriyama. They're supposed to be magical cats humanoid cats. They live all over the world. There's about a hundred of them, and they come in different, uh, breeds so like different cat breeds and so there's nekomajin mix who's a mixed breed and then there's nekomajin mike who's a calico cat which uh, mike is japanese for a calico not to be confused with mike right although i i suppose i could be a demonic cat person if you want me to be i could see that and then there's nekomajin z who we don't know what kind of cat he is he's blue so i don't know but <laughs> he's just a cat trained under goku he's the strongest nekomajin and all the Nekomajin, they get power from their Majin Ball, which they have in their stomach, and they can spit out if they are forced to. The enemy of the uh, cat Majin is the rabbit Majin, for some reason. Don't think cats and rabbits have traditional are traditionally enemies. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never really seen these two paired off before, but whatever, it's Toriyama. For some reason, they hate each other, and Usa Majin tries to take all the ne Majin Balls from the Nekomajin, but he fails thanks to Majin Buu, oddly enough. Hooray! All the Majin saving the day. So that's about it for Nekomajin. And then finally, finally, we have... Mr. Satan. Wait, 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 Jake. He's not a demon. He's just a dude. But he is the Earth's true savior. It's true. Satan is the savior of Earth. Yep. And so Toriyama has explained that the reason behind the name is he's supposed to be just a fighter. And so it's a uh, an impressive name for a fighter. So something that would intimidate his opponents. And so you get Mr. Satan. But it's not his real name. It's just a stage name. And his real name is Mark, which is a pun on Akuma, rearranged. And I should note here that Toriyama is very specific in that Mr. Satan's real name is simply Mark, not Mark Satan, 
just Mark. He says that in the region where uh, Mark and Videl live, there are no family names. Right. I mean, she says that in the series herself when Gohan yeah. is Son Gohan. She's like, oh, that's kind of weird that you have a last name. Yeah, it's gone out of fashion for some reason. And so Videl, of course, is an anagram for devil. And so it's just the theme that you got. Right. And they're not de- they're not evil, but whatever. So there you have it. That's pretty much it. The demon world of Dragon Ball. There's so much more than you ever could have possibly thought unless you sat and did the outline like we did. Yes, or I did. Well, that's true. I didn't really do any work here. Oh, well. I didn't even talk that much because I just enjoy the material so much. You did correct me. That's okay. Yeah, that's what I'm here to do. The host's job is to keep you on track, correct you, and I, I guess edit. So... I do have some work ahead of me. Yeah. Well, Jake, thanks so much. That's our Halloween themed episode. I love it. You came up with the topic. You already had all the work done. I just showed up and hit record. Yep. Oh, well. Uh, Happy Halloween, everyone. And uh, don't get eaten by uh, demons, I guess. Of course, big thanks go out to Jake for all the research on that one. It's definitely a section that will see the light of day in written form at some point in the distant very far distant future so you can probably look forward to that over on Konzentai. So what is up with the site and podcast next month? By next month I mean November 2011. Busy, busy times folks. Next week here on the show we'll be taking a look at Ultimate Tenkaichi for the PS3 and 360 that just came out. It's a new fighting game developed by Spike yet again for Namka Bandai. We're actually getting this one a full month ahead of Japan. Very, very strange. US October 25th, Europe October 28th, Japan I think it's December 4th around there. I've got some great folks lined up to talk about the game with me. That's very, very exciting. Something I know a lot of you are looking forward to is our first GT review of awesomeness. I'm looking forward to it too. With the manga review totally done, it's been more than four years, we finally got that thing over and done with. We are indeed moving on to Dragon Ball GT. It makes the most sense for our monthly look at some kind of ongoing series. Well, What's after the manga? Let's say it's GT. Make sure you watch the first five episodes of the series. One, two, three, four, five, starting off. First five. Watch those over the next couple weeks so you can be ready to listen along with us. Be all caught up. Other than that, the written episode of Bardock Review is truly, honestly, totally not kidding, folks, making its way to Daizen Chewy X at some point pretty soon. We got a little backlogged on that, but uh, now we got the video game and the Funimation Blu-ray set coming out. I can't be backlogged on reviews. I gotta get this stuff done. So look forward to that very soon on the website. And finally, be sure to check us out. Anime USA down in Arlington, Virginia from November 18th to 20th. We've got a great Dragon Ball panel lined up for you. It's an updated version of 10 Things You Didn't Know About Dragon Ball. That's what myself, Heath, and Mary debuted at Otakon 2010 last year. But it's got all sorts of extra good old goodies. Yes, good old goodies. I'll be there. Mary will be there. Our buddy Jeff of Review Awesomeness will be there. A bunch of our other friends will be there. And we hope you will be there as well. So that's it. We're done this week. We'll check you back in seven or so for the next episode of the podcast. Until then, for Mary, for Julian, for our Konzentai buddies, for everyone else out there in the dragon world, my name is Mike. Have a good one, and we will talk again soon. は貴様だ人間やろう人間みてえなその名前全くふざけた野郎だぜ貴様の苦味には程度が出る<笑><笑>